It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Here it is that time again, everyone. Smart Money Questions. We are at mid-August. Can't believe this. Summer's almost gone. We got preseason football or uh, professional football already starting. We got college football beginning at the end of this month. Real soon, it's going to be uh, you know the fall, Thanksgiving, and then we'll be exiting 2023, heading into 2024. And you know, this time of year, a lot of times I'll do one maybe in uh, June or July, looking at a mid-year checkup. And I would be telling you now is a great time to do that. Looking at budgeting, you know, we've got, you know, eight, six, seven months already behind us. Looking at if you're still working, your investments within your 401k or your 403b, what are your options there? Should you be rebalancing? If you are still working, or even if you're not, if you are retired, now's some time, great time to be looking at where am I at from a tax perspective? If I'm still working and I maybe last year I switched to where I'm putting money into my Roth 401k, which means now I'm not going to be getting that deduction I was getting before. Am I having enough withheld within payroll so there isn't a surprise when uh, we're filing our taxes in March and April of next year? If I'm retired, now's the time to start looking. Do I have any other big expenditures that are going to come before the end of the year? And maybe even now is a good time. Is a Roth conversion going to be a smart move for me this year? I, I know I talk about Roth conversions a lot. I actually talk about Roths a lot. And I thought this was interesting that I, I came across an article in Yahoo Finance There was a, quote, personal finance expert and founder, Derek Saul, who basically said, and I'm paraphrasing this article, that he believes, he did a survey, and 93% of those that responded said that they either have a Roth or that they think a Roth IRA or Roth 401k, what have you, is a good option to have. Now, He basically went through and said, for the vast majority of Americans, he does not believe that. And he went through and he, the typical situation or the typical news that comes out of all the quote, here we go, a personal finance expert, basically he's got a blog, and he is saying that the vast majority of people will be in a lower tax bracket when they come to retirement. And so therefore, it doesn't make sense to be putting money after tax into the Roth. And I went in and I read a lot of the responses that people were throwing out there. And I could see where some people actually, you know, now the, the truth is, you know, if there if you don't have a lot of money in your retirement accounts, then yeah, you probably want to start on the pre-tax side. But as those start to accrue over time, you want to be able to be tax diversified. And I did see numerous responses where Hey, listen, the biggest, the biggest benefit of the Roth is that you don't have to pay tax on that deferred gain, unlike in the pre-tax side, where eventually you have to pay the tax back 
on what you got, what you deferred when you put money in, but you also have to pay tax on all of the gain. I thought the article was also interesting because he was, when he was using the example of when you put money in, he was using, using the marginal tax bracket. Yet when he was talking about taking the money out, he was talking about the effective tax rate, which is much, much different. It was an interesting article. I noticed that a couple people actually said, hey, listen, I think this is just clickbait, which it is. It did get a ton of response. His, his website probably blew up. But um, when you are looking at, do I contribute to a Roth? Do I not? Do I convert money that I have in traditional 401k or traditional IRAs to Roth? What you want to be looking at is the overall picture of where all of your money is and when it is going to be time to spend that money, or maybe you're already in retirement and spending it, what's going to be the tax cost on taking that money out? And uh, this is a great time of year to be looking at that. If you are still contributing, what side am I going to? You know, with the SECURE Act 2.0 that went into effect January 1 of this year, and there's going to be different parts of the SECURE Act 2.0 that will be phased in over the course of the next couple years, and then minimum distributions are going to extend to the age of 75 in 2033. But one of the biggest things that's going to come around is going to be every 401k or 403b or sponsored retirement plan is going to have to have the Roth side. There are provisions in there with regards to high earners and where the catch-up is going to have to go. You're going to have the option of uh, putting your match into the Roth side versus uh, the traditional side, which is where it goes now. Many different changes are going to be coming about. So now is a great time of year to be looking at budgeting, your investments, you know the debt that you have, uh, especially with interest rates going up. If you're if you're in a debt situation where you have a floating rate or an adjustable rate based on, let's say, a quarterly or even annual uh, mark, depending on. Usually, it's going to be based on prime. Now's a great time to be looking at that to be fully prepared because many times the tax uh, planning opportunities are only only going to be there until the end of this year. Twelve thirty one, they disappear. There's a couple that you can do as you're filing your taxes, but most of the time, it's going to be by the end of this year is when you have to take advantages. And for all you small business owners out there or medium-sized businesses, you want to be talking with your accountant and be looking at strategies to make sure that you take advantage of them based on the current tax code. So anyway, before I get talking today, I got a couple things that I want to review, a couple things that have happened here in the office, some questions that have came up. I want to make sure we deal with a disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30 minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low key, 
go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com, and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. Okay, so a couple of things have come up over the course of the last month that I wanted to address. In one situation, we have a client that came to us. They were, uh, they were letting me know that their, uh, their daughter and their daughter's boyfriend were looking and positioning themselves to buy a home within the near future. And their question to me was, you know, what is the best thing for us to do? Should we go ahead and look to gift and assist them with getting a down payment? We think we would rather do that than, you know, wait 20, 25 years before we meet the maker and then, and then they get their money. And the first thing I told them, and I suggested that they go and have this, uh, you know, meeting of the minds with the daughter and the boyfriend is things are a lot different when you go into a real estate transaction, in this case, and you're not married. And I guess some of it also depends on how long you've been together. I've got some clients that have been together, you know, 20, 25 years, what have you. That's a much different situation that we have here. They're younger. They've been together three or four years. They're one, okay, we want to buy a home before we look to get married, those type of things. Is that you want to have an understanding that when you go into buying real estate and you are not married, that the rules are a little different in the event that this situation doesn't work out. And so understand, and it's it's different in, in um, states have different laws with regards to this. Of course, you have, you know, um, the civil union issues. Those are all state by state as well. But first of all, is when you're doing this, you want to have a clear understanding going into this on whatever that situation is, whatever those rules are. Then we can address the question of should we assist them. And that really becomes a personal decision. And that's what I talked it over with them. I was like, listen, hey, if you want to, I don't know, if you want to help with the 20% down, which is hopefully what they're going to be able to do in combination with their own money and mom and dad's money is now where are we taking the money from? Because the one thing I let them know, listen, if the only place that we can take the money from is your IRA accounts, I want you to realize that gift is going to be an expensive proposition for you. Now, if the money is coming in after tax or it's idle money right here, lazy money just sitting in a savings account, you know, maybe earning 4%, you know, that's a much different situation than, hey, I'm going to yank out 50 or 60 or $80,000 out of an IRA and have to pay tax on that money. So the gifting aspect is really what I let, that's, that's a personal situation, but you want to go into it eyes wide open as to, what is going to be the cost to take that money out of your name and give it to them? The other thing I let them know is it's important for your daughter and the boyfriend as they're going through the mortgage approval process, they need to be discussing the fact that you're going to be gifting them the money and what needs to happen from a seasoning standpoint, meaning how long that money is going to stay in their accounts and the mortgage company is going to be able to count that and or if it's a gift, are there limits as to what they can be gifted to be able to qualify for hopefully a conventional loan? So those are the things that you want to be addressing and answering before just, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. 
Because the one thing that I've seen in assisting clients through these real estate transactions over the course of the last three years is the mortgage industry is constantly changing with the underwriting or the approval process on getting a loan done. Hey everyone, a little interruption, Matt Hausman here. If you would like to speak to me directly, make sure that you know that you can go right to my online calendar speakwithmatt.com. Again, www.speakwithmatt.com. You can either schedule a conference call right there, a Zoom call, or if you'd like to come into the office, feel free to do that. You can also reach us directly at 610-719-3003. All right, everyone, back to the show. So, and that actually takes me to the other thing. I had someone say this to me the other day, and that is, hey, listen, when I retire... I've had a lot of people tell me that I need to make sure I have a mortgage when I retire because that's going to be the only, quote, tax deduction I'll have at that point. First of all, a lot of times people think that the ideal situation from retirement is you come to retirement. That means I'm no longer working or I'm drastically reducing my workload, which means my pay goes down. And that means I shouldn't have any debt at that point. You've heard me talk about this in the past, and this is what I was explaining to them. There's good debt and there's bad debt. The reality is, until recently, within the last, I don't know, 16 to 18 months, interest rates, especially through the pandemic, have been historically low. So if it's cheap money that is available out there and your cash flow can support a mortgage, more power to you. That being said, don't just look at the the aspect of having a mortgage as I have to do it to get a tax deduction. Because let's think of it. If I have $1,000 of mortgage interest that I get to deduct, and I am in, make numbers easy, I'm in the 20% effective tax rate. That means that that $1,000 is going to save me $200 on my tax return. But guess what? My true cost on that money is I'm still paying B of A 800 bucks or Wells Fargo, whoever the mortgage company is. So I paid $1,000 and I got $200 worth of tax relief, but I still had to shell out 800 bucks, right? So don't look at it as a tax deduction, especially with what we've seen over the course of the last uh, three years, interest rates again being historically low, is the interest rate is so small that more than likely in the event that is your only deduction, you're still taking a standard The standard deduction, as we are under the current tax code that went into effect in 2018, is a drastically increased standard deduction. So you really got to get up there. And then when you factor in the salt with just capped at $10,000, you probably aren't having a lot of interest that you are able to deduct, yet you are still paying whoever the mortgage company is that full boat. Again, I use myself as an example. Maggie and I, for the last, I think it's been four years, have been using the standard deduction. We get hit with the salt, but we refied our mortgage back in, I think, 18 or 19 at like 4%. And so we don't have a lot of interest that really makes a dent, so we take a standard deduction. Okay? Now, you know, everyone be aware that the current tax code is set to sunset at the end of 2025, and then that standard deduction is going to drastically be reduced. And so more than likely you could be itemizing. But let's look at the aspect of I just need to have a mortgage for 
the tax savings is I'm still making B of A. I'm making those coffers rich with my money that's going in. So don't just look at it. And that's what I was explaining to them. Hey, listen, if the if the money is cheap that you can get a loan out for and the mortgage like it was, then it's cheap money. So I say take advantage of it if the cash flow uh, can support it, if the various investments and income sources can support that. But I always caution people in looking at, don't just look at this as a tax deduction. I'm not sure that's the way. And and many times you've heard me tell people uh, or, or tell everyone listening, listen, the biggest thing I could tell you to do is go out and get a line of credit. If you have equity in your home, get a home equity line of credit. First of all, I didn't say you had to use it. I just say you want to have access to it. And a lot of times people will say, oh, are you telling me to do that for the tax deduction? And I say, no. It's is not for the tax deduction. This is the ability now where you can use your home as an asset for various tax plays, for various cash flow plays, what have you. Don't look at this just as a tax deduction. Quite frankly, most of the time, it never becomes that. Again, especially since 2018. And the last thing I want to address real quick, many times if you guys have been in my office or you've seen me speak at any time, I might have mentioned it here, is I always joke, especially when I'm sitting with couples, and hey, listen, I do marriage counseling as well, but it's $695 an hour and I want three hours up front. (laughs) Everyone gets a little chuckle out of that, right? But the reality is, is a couple of times over the course of the last month, in talking with couples as we're going through the planning process is there have been different aspects of tension that they had never discussed. One of which, for instance, is as we're moving into retirement. Again, what age are we going to retire? Maybe the couple, one's going to work a little bit longer. One's going to retire a little bit shorter. Okay, what are we going to do with our investments? What's the risk tolerance that we're going to have? You know, many times one of the spouses is more akin to risk than the other one, and they're going to have to come with a meeting of the minds there. Now, I will tell you that most of the time we, when we see clients make that transition from working into retirement, the one who used to be willing to take a lot of risk, now that that paycheck is no longer there every other week, they naturally become more conservative because now they're not contributing anymore right? So making sure that there is a meeting of the minds there, an agreement makes the planning process and the internal behavioral finance when markets are doing what they always do, makes it a lot easier at the home. The other thing that's come up uh, in both cases is legacy. Legacy for the kids and the grandkids. And in both situations here is there was a difference of opinion as to how important legacy should be while they're living. So it's important to come up with that, really important. The other thing I would tell you that we saw is the understanding how we should be putting in place charitable contributions, inheritance, things of that nature, and That needs to be built into not only your overall financial plan, but when you start speaking about inheritance, this is where your estate plan, both of you, needs to correspond and work in conjunction with your financial plan. 
So I'm not. You guys hear me talk about this all the time, but it's really important, especially if we if we already are having a disagreement or not coming together with the idea of legacy. That goes directly into inheritance, and as part of the inheritance, are we going to look to be charitable? as well. And if we are, by the way, I don't mean charitable to the kids and grandkids. I mean, charitable to a charity, somewhere you would like to have money go to that becomes part of the legacy as well. So all of that works together. And it's very important to have a meeting of the minds collectively be together. It'll make life a heck of a lot easier, especially in doing the overall planning process. So by the way, in either case, they didn't take me up on the $695 for three hours up front. (laughs) They were able to work through it on their own. But listen, everyone, that's all I've got for today. I hope it's been valuable. If you have a question or scenario that you want us to address on the show, you know how to do it. Either go to smartmoneyquestions.com. You can leave a voicemail or email us right there or send us an email, info at smartmoneyquestions.com. We'll be happy to address it on an upcoming show. So listen, everyone, we'll talk soon. Take care.